Welcome to This Life, a podcast by Mallorca Media. I'm your host, Felix Mallorca. Damn it. Um, <clears throat> as always, we're here at the Local Hub Studios. Um, as I've said before, Local Hub is a co-working space here in um, Escondido, California on Grand Avenue, right next to Coffee, which is a local hot spot, and my favorite, <laughs> Burger Bench. Um, I want all these pla- all these places to sponsor me. Anyway, um, right now, if you're a student, they are doing student packages. So make sure you reach out to them um, at Local Hub Esco, I believe is their at, and their website is localhubsd.com. So if you're a student interested in having somewhere to go for your online classes, I know this year's or this semester, hopefully just this semester, is is really weird um, because everything is pretty much online, but you're still paying tuition, which I think is bullcrap. But everything's going to be online. Um, sometimes you can't work at home. If you want to work in a place where you have amazing people around you, um, Local Hub's a spot. So yeah, go check them out, localhubsd.com. Today, I am sitting here, let me fix this, I'm sitting with my good friend, Francisca Martinez. That's me. Oh, my my voice cracked. Francisca Martinez. There it is. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. How do you, how do you feel about being in here? I'm excited. You know, we, we were here about a week or two ago. Um, doing some some marketing material for local hub, so yes. definitely agree. Check come check it out if you need a place to work or study. Um, so it's good to be back and on your podcast. I'm excited to be one of the first, you know, invitations on here. Um, and I'm always excited to see the good work that you're doing. So thank you for inviting me, dude. <laughs> I feel like you should lead this. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Ask me questions. Um, today we are <clears throat> sipping on some. Palomas. That's right. With uh, Terramana tequila and, well, you have a grapefruit, um, jarritos, but I have a mandarin one. Um, something I like to do for all my guests, obviously I can't pay them, but I'll pay them in drinks. So if they want, I keep talking to the camera, but I'm nervous today. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, I, 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 don't, I can't pay my guests, obviously, but I pay them in drinks if they're alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Just as a big thank you for having, having them come in so thank and you after for... nine to five the drink is more than enough so yes thank you. <laughs> happy hour Woo. i should have called it that dude this life like happy hour okay anyway <laughs> how do we know each other so i think if i'm correct we go back to like seventh grade in, yep. the, in the at the hidden valley asb right um think that's yeah i think that's right seventh grade yes. asb seventh grade mr freeland free freeman freeland freeland, freeland. oh my mr. Freeland. shout out to mr freeland yeah if you're out there somewhere <laughs> i hope you're doing good um yeah so seventh grade asb you know in that awkward time when we're trying to figure out yeah exactly you know who we are our identity i guess and that i guess that never really changes but um yeah seventh grade asb that's deep <laughs> so seventh grade asb I think I ran for um, uh, vice president, I think, and I won. <laughs> and then you ran for president. And, and you, I won. I mean, and now we're here. So, so I guess you can say we're former VP 
presidents. Yeah, former running mates? Yeah, former running. Well, we weren't running mates. What does that mean? Like, you run together. (laughs) You do the campaign together. (laughs) (laughs) Your running mate was probably Austin. Yeah, Yeah, shout out out to Austin early. Wait, no, he was... He was running for president. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he was your friend, so I assume he was running but you know here comes dude here i came middle middle school middle school politics dude (laughs) so crazy um so i don't want this to be all just like a ask and and Mm -hmm. call back or whatever but um you and i spoke i remember i was having probably one of the largest breakdowns i've ever had Mm -hmm. because i had just graduated um actually before we get into that i texted you about this before did you watch that that video the yes, the wap wow do you know what that stands yeah, for yeah i do <laughs> so for those of you that have been living under a rock I, before we get into like the heavy stuff i want to get into this because i've been reading anyway let me just let me get into it so this is dude we've been in six minutes and it's just been bullshit me like rambling it's okay Ugh. you learn okay i'm learning now so <laughs> WAP it stands for wet ass, as Ben Shapiro put it, P word. P asterisk. SSY. S-S-Y. Yes. Yeah. Wet ass pussy. Um, it's a song by Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B, which ugh, I love Cardi B. Me too. So there's all this like controversy or whatever with people saying that it kind of goes against. Um, feminism and that it's like i mean i don't want to get all political but (laughs) i saw this one lady that was like why don't you make yourself useful and and learn something in the kitchen because there's a lyric that says i don't get dirty in the kitchen or something i get i don't cook i don't clean (laughs) (laughs) exactly and then the rest yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and then talks about like other vulgar stuff Mm -hmm. you consider yourself a feminist Mm -hmm. what what do you think about about the song yeah well i mean first of all i think feminism is very fluid right um it's intersectional there's no just one label for what it is to be a feminist or what feminism means i think feminism is a a part of a larger umbrella which is like equal rights for all human beings right um but in terms of the song i think you know there you go in terms of the song i think feminism um is just working for equal rights in all in all realms right culture um, economics, political ideology, and anything that you can think of. So, you know, when we hear, when we see these two superstar rap artists um, singing or interpreting a song that we're really not, us- you know, used to hearing women speak of or sing, I think that's a part of feminism that we don't really talk about, right? If had it been a um, a male rapper saying those things, we kind of take it as a given. Um, we kind of take it as, okay, well, that's just what they do. That's what they sing. But when it's two females doing this, all of a sudden, like, it's just not allowed. It's not okay. That's not feminism. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think um, feminism is more fluid than what we were trying to put a label on. Um, and if we really do want equal equal rights and equal opportunity, equal access in all areas, I mean, even that has to be one, right? Like being able to interpret whatever song makes you feel empowered. Um, because what makes me feel empowered as a woman isn't going to be the same thing that makes Cardi B feel empowered, right? It's right. going to be the same thing that makes um, any other woman empowered. So I think it, it kind of opens up 
a conversation that we really haven't had or that we really need to have of um, how fluid and how intersectional feminism is. So you pretty much just said everything that I thought, but in your smartness, <laughs> smart terms, um, for years I've been saying there should be a song and it's been, it's mm-hmm. always been like a joke. I've always said that there should be, and Nicki Minaj kind of did this before, mm-hmm. but um, there should be a song from a woman's perspective talking to a dude the way, like rappers, mm-hmm. I could pull up just a bunch of really demeaning lyrics for mm-hmm. that they demean women and call them bitches and stuff. And honestly, I first, well, first of all, I love the video because <laughs> Cardi, <laughs> um, but like I almost, I was a little offended, mm-hmm. which I've never felt before. Like not even offended, but it just kind of like, Oh my God, like, I don't think I have what it takes to get with these girls. Um, <laughs> Cause they're pretty much like challenging the male, like guys are always like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like I can make you this and yeah. all that. Like I'm the man, but they were kind of like challenging. Like, I mean, you have to listen to the song, but they're pretty much challenging men. Like you think you need hand this? This is what you need to do. Like, and boy, like, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah, it's a little provocative, but I mean, it's, get, it's getting people talking and stuff. And I think it's also showing like, how some people are still in that old, like that lady that was like, mm-hmm. why don't you learn something, some real lessons, mm-hmm. like going in the kitchen. It's like, dude, that's so outdated. Like we have single dads. We have stay at home dads now, which is my goal. Uh, single, <laughs> si- like single parent homes and yeah. stuff and guys cook now, all that stuff. So why is this lady still saying, oh, put on clothes and mm-hmm. get in the kitchen? Like, I don't know. I think it's kind of unleashed this like dialogue that we haven't had before. I'm sure it's happened with mm-hmm. like like Anaconda with yeah. Nicki Minaj where she was showing her butt. Um, but I, dude, I celebrate it. I, I think it's yeah. great that they did this. And I think, it, like you said, it kind of opens up this, you know, this other conversation. And it, it's not just about the song or what is said in the song, the lyrics of the song, but it's about a woman's... Um, just right or ability to define herself however it is that you want to define yourself right because like the lyrics alluded to i don't cook maybe maybe i don't you know maybe i don't want to have kids maybe i don't want to do the things that society has said that you know define a woman but um that doesn't make me any less powerful any less uh capable than a man or than any other woman you know so yeah Um, i think it goes far beyond just what the lyrics or what we see in the music video and i think it also has a, a it includes a lot of uh diversity within the video right we see different types of of women yeah um so i think it all goes back to that you know well sorry before i was so rudely interrupted by my phone um yeah i agree like if a woman wants to do that why shouldn't she do that and for years you've heard i mean decades pretty much it's kind of started in the 80s like um well ice cube has that song where he talks about he's not he's not giving her money until she gives it up and stuff that that kind of is like on parallel with what they're saying mm-hmm. it's like well, i don't cook but you better you know yeah lay the wood and i think society just has to get over the fact that like or has to be more real with ourselves right like this is the type of stuff that men and women have been watching or seeing or like working for for decades right like, yeah. let's take it back to maybe february for during the super bowl like people were just oh, outraged dude. by jail and shakira's amazing super bowl which i think was like 
the start of the end of this year, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's true. That's um, true. But it was, I thought it was one of the best Super Bowl performances I've watched. It was, great, yeah. it was way more exciting than the rest of the game. I don't even remember the game. All I remember of the <laughs> Super Bowl 2020 is JLo and Shakira. Um, and people were outraged that they were showing too much skin. Yeah. As a Latina, all I could think of during that showtime was just my, you know, I just felt like my skin have goosebumps because of how represented I finally felt right. on that global scale. Um, but people were outraged. They thought that, you know, these two girls are just going up here. These two ladies, actually, they're women, not not girls, um, are just going up there and, and shaking their ass in like miniskirts. That's literally what people said. And, yeah. you know, shall I say it was the majority um white people who were doing that like i'm sorry i'm just let's keep it real right let's keep it real um but it's part of like not understanding the diversity of of the diversity of our culture the diversity of feminism just diversity in general i think but i mean i agree because you go to like festival or whatever yeah. in brazil right carnival carnival yeah. carnival yeah and there's like girls just like it's whatever it's like mm -hmm. part of their culture but then you bring it here and I don't know. Oh my gosh, there's a girl in a bathing suit. I like, know. This is this, this is such a bigger discussion than just Yeah, that. seriously. But I celebrate wet a p word. <laughs> uh wet a pussy. Well, my mom listens to this. Sorry, mom. Um it's part of the culture. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> shoot. Con todo respeto. Um okay, anyway, let me go back to okay. uh yay feminism. Um so Francisca, you've, I think you've been that friend that just kind of, we don't really, you went to UCLA and I stayed here in Escondido. I went to Cal State San Marcos. Um, and I remember texting you one day because you, for the most part, in my eyes, you always seem to have it together. Um, after I graduated college, um, as I've spoken about before, I was going through that, just like, what the hell am I doing? Did I waste my time? I'm still working two part-time jobs, three part-time jobs. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I texted you one day and I was like, hey, um, did you get a job like straight out of mm -hmm. college or like I was like, I'm I'm honestly kind of freaking out because I don't know whether I should or I shouldn't or I should like I've heard explore after yeah. college and all that crap. Um, do you remember me texting? you? Yeah, that? definitely. Yeah. I remember I was in my my white Corolla. Yeah. I was just like um, in tears. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, I probably was crying. I, I cried a lot that year. Um, <laughs> but uh what did you did you have a plan when you were going into college or going out of college like what pretty much what what went through your head when you were going through college mm -hmm. yeah i think you know when i left from escondido um even though i felt like i was prepared academically you know i had super amazing grades all my life all right. through high school um i had pretty much the majority of my ucla um, education paid for um, so I felt prepared in that sense but you know in retrospect I was very naive and not necessarily because I you know wasn't ready but just as a first generation student going into like one of the top public universities in the country there's just some things that you don't even know you need to know when yeah. you like go in um, and like I still remember so vividly literally just you know barely 18 grabbing my little 2008 corolla driving for the first time on the 405 freeway oh, it was dude. it was terrifying um and then just thinking okay i'm about to you know start my three-day orientation to know what it is i have to do to like be a student here at ucla um 
and I think at that moment I was more excited than nervous, but like I had no idea to be honest what I was getting myself um, into. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I try to do the best, um, the things the best to the best ability that I could, but there was a moment and it, and it started, the challenges started, you know, from like day one or from like the very beginning of my time there, um, where you just, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. You're away from family for the first time. You have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want to do, right? Like coming from, a, again, from like, you know, a Mexican household, it was very different than what I had grown up to, to be. Um, but I think for me, one of the, the hardest things was feeling um, like I didn't really belong there, right? Or like things were very different. Everybody as a first year is the top of their class from wherever it is that they're coming from. So, That's right. So you're now in a sea of like, just really, really intelligent people. Um, everybody's trying to figure out what it is that they want to do. Um, it's a very competitive environment. I started my my um, my you know my four years thinking I was going to be pre med. I wanted to go to med school. That's what I thought. That's sort of what I had been working for the last four years um, in high school. So um, you're thrown into just you know all of these super competitive courses that are reader courses. So their job is to take out all the students that. Um, that basically don't make the cut, right? Like a weeder, like the weeder, weeding, like they literally out. weed out students. Um, and so, you know, that, so there's already that very competitive environment that just a natural thing for UCLA. And there's a lot of great things about it. And I still love UCLA. I'm a true Bruin, you know, I'll always love, um, I'll always love that place, but there's a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, like this institution wasn't created for people like me, right? Like it just, there's a lot of things, like I said, that you don't even know that you need to know. Yeah. So I was trying to deal with all of that. I'm trying to, you know, keep a good attitude, keep a good work ethic. Um, and then like five weeks into my, um, into first year, like first quarter ever, I broke my arm and it, I had um, like nerve damage as a result. I couldn't pick up my wrist or move like any part of my arm. How'd you break it? For I was playing rugby, which is a whole other oh story. My God. <laughs> which is a whole other story. I was playing club rugby for UCLA. Um but yeah, and I like had nerve damage for months where I couldn't even pick up my wrist. Like just my arm would just droop. Your right hand? My right hand. So it's, the, you know, I, I'm right handed. Um, and so just imagine having to like deal with this super un- competitive environment. You're trying to like create um, a niche, um, a community within this, you know, 30,000 student school. But you can't really do anything. You can't really move. You have to get surgery. You have to go to therapy like three times a week. Um and it was just a really, really hard, really hard moment to start off my you know, undergrad education like that was a huge blow. Um, so then, you know, my first quarter ever, I had two incompletes on my transcript. Um, it was just like such a hard time. And then not even to mention all the personal struggles of like being away from home, not having your family. So it was a really, really hard quarter for me. Um, and then, you you know, I get to, to the winter and spring quarters of that following year and it's it's just a catch-up game right like catching up with my um, with my classes with the two incompletes that I had catching up in terms of like feeling like I belong like I created a community um like I you know was meant to be there and um it was it was a really really hard first year uh and then you know second year came and I felt it was a little bit of that same like catch-up game catch-up game of like okay what exactly do you want to do um what are you doing and where do you want to go? And 
I think what really helped me was just even during those really, really hard moments, I never fully stopped. Like I always took on opportunities that I thought would be a good fit. You know, I got my first job uh, my first year, a little little bit after the accident. And um, that sort of, you know, that job led to another job. I started working with students and then I went on to like government and community relations. And I went on to... um, to work, you know, to do some research, to do some policy work. And I think little by little, taking those chances that I thought maybe were a little too far-fetched for me, like, you know, maybe I thinking that I, I didn't belong there, but still taking that that opportunity, that jump, really got me to where I had to be. Um, so there's, I think, a couple timelines. Um, there's the, time, the academic timeline of, like, what am I doing? I'm falling behind. I'm doing horrible. Like, I don't belong here. This is this place is, is just so competitive. But at the same time, I felt like my professional and career timeline never stopped. I kept jumping on opportunities that I thought could be helpful. Right. Um, and I think about this, the end of my second year or like the beginning of my third year, um, I realized that, yes, I was interested in public health. Yes, I wanted to, to be in that sort of realm. But my strengths were very much more in like the public policy side of it. Um, and so letting go of that like, you know, uh, goal that I thought that I had for the rest of my life, which was, which was to go to med school, was hard because yeah. I felt like I was sort of letting myself down, letting my family down. Um, but I had to realize that my strengths and my, and my purpose really wasn't there. Um, so that's when I found the environmental policy world and, you know, I started learning about take, you know, just the preventive side of, of medicine, right? Like, why do people get sick because they live on this side of the freeway? Or why is this community more um, susceptible to, like, horrible air pollution? Why, why, like, the why? Why did that happen? Yeah. And um, what policies got us to that place? So I think that's sort of where I found my passion and my niche. I switched over to that to that major. And um, I think really from there was where I just, like, took off and... Um, there was there was really no turning back at that point. I I felt like even though it had been super hard, you know, feeling imposter syndrome, feeling like, um, you know, in some parts just feeling really depressed. Um, yeah. I didn't even mention that because there was so much that happened. But I went to therapy for a whole year during undergrad, um, because of just all of these conflicting feelings that I was feeling, um, and I think by the by the beginning or end of my third year i finally felt like i was where i had to be and that i had a purpose being at ucla like i wasn't just another student um so that really helped me define my last year of finally feeling like i um like i belong like i could finally uh have a good experience at my during my time there um and really just using that as motivation to finish strong and like jump off to the rest of my of my career but definitely you know there was a lot that that went on simultaneously throughout your whole story i kept hearing like i didn't think i need i i i guess you weren't you weren't really validating that you were at ucla for a reason um why did you feel like you did you feel like you didn't deserve to be there or did you why did you kind of have those feelings of i mean imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, because you see, and it doesn't just apply to, you know, to UCLA or places of of higher education, but I think in any setting where there isn't a lot of people like you or with similar backgrounds as you, um, 
it makes you wonder, like, you know, what is your purpose there? And, his, and Hispanic, you mean? Yeah, Hispanic, first generation, a girl, you know, especially in like those specific majors. Oh, um, that's right. It's just medical. Yeah, medical or like, you know, any of and So UCLA is divided into like North Campus and South Campus. South Campus are all like the sciences, engineering, like the heavy stuff. And yeah. then North Campus is the, you know, liberal arts, you know, communications. And there's not to say any of them are better than the other, but. Well, you know, um, medical. <laughs> <laughs> but, there, um, you know, South Campus where I was at, it was just, there's just a different feel. That you, even walking across campus, you just felt this like. Pressure. Just pressure, right? Yeah. Of, of having to perform well. And I think, um, especially when you're going through those hard moments, it's so easy to feel like you shouldn't be there. And not necessarily because I I, I didn't earn it, but I, I have heard that before the, where the, I've heard someone say, you you know you only got into UCLA because you're Latina, right? And I, I never believed that. Said it to Thank you? God, to me, directly to my face. Directly to my face. You, only, you know you only got into UCLA because you're Latina. What's their name? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to mention that. Ah, damn it. I almost got you. <laughs> um, but, um, but thankfully, I never believed that. I never believed that I didn't deserve it. I think what was hard was knowing that these systems were not created to help you succeed. Right. Right. So you're, I felt like I had to go through double the hurdles to do as well as anybody else. And, and, and not to victimize myself or say like, I, you know, I had such a hard life. No. Um, but there was a lot of things that, again, I didn't know I had to know, right? Like how to how to think simple things as like how to talk to your professor because you had this horrible accident and you needed some time extended right i didn't know i didn't know that was a thing or like having the support from your parents because they know how it is to um, navigate through college um right. so i didn't have those technical things but i think what really um helped me was the cultural capital that we don't talk about that you know especially from from hispanic backgrounds from latino backgrounds we have so much of that the social capital the cultural capital of like um knowing how to navigate through hard moments like our ancestors were created to to break those barriers down yep. to get through really hard um to get through really hard moments to yep. get to where we had to be and i think when we break or tap into that power into that capital um and transform that into useful ways to get you know through this society or through this the system um that's really what makes a difference in, in how we you know how we get through because i never felt like any of the other students was smarter than me i never thought that i felt like you know simple example we had this lab exam we had to get one of those like pipettes and like drop this little drop of specimen into a really thin tube and there was people in my group that probably had higher grades on paper but none of them had the confidence to grab that little thing and say you know what let me just tap in right and i was like give me that you know like let me yeah. do this so there's there's a difference in in how you i think that difference really made um or i guess that perspective really made a huge difference in how like I, I faced things throughout college because I knew that on paper, maybe I wasn't like the 4.0 student at UCLA, no, yeah. not even close, but you know, it helped me to not break down in a way or stop or just freeze and say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Let me drop out. Like I want to go home. Right. Um, do you, do you think that attitude has kind of helped you because I've never noticed it that it's a cultural thing, but now that you're saying it, I'm kind of connecting, connecting the dots when I was working at, um, first city government i was always the guy that was like okay let's go mm -hmm. you know this is what we're told to do let's do it 
but then go above and beyond and do more because we know it needs to be done. And while other people would do what they were told to do and then stopped and just kind of stood around, like, for example, like a big, um, a big event and someone would be like, okay, put up these streamers. Mm -hmm. And then they put the streamers up and be like, (laughs) and just sit there and I'd be like, okay, what's next? Well, we haven't been told what's next. I'm like, well, there's this box of posters. Let's put those Mm up. Oh, um, are you sure? And then I would be like telling, uh, supervisor like leads Mm -hmm. what to do. Um, have you found that to still be the case? Like still you, I think you work in a job where you have people who are older than you. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be the case even with people who? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think going back to the example you, you said, I think it goes back to maybe part of that immigrant community or narrative where we create things out of nothing, right? Right, Like our parents, our grandparents, whomever came to this country with nothing, but they've created some sort of stability, some sort of future for for family, right? Las ganas, ganas. that's exactly what it is. Um, So yes, totally. And I think to answer your question about my, you know, working where I do now, I, I work, um, I work doing climate and environmental policy around that or around climate and environmental policy. But, um, it's that field is still very much white dominant. And, um, you know, again, going back to how the movement was created, it was created to protect white suburbs. Like that's literally what it is. And even when you look at the larger scale of things, like for example, national parks, um, literally white old men created the, this or that concept to get away from the industrial, um, communities that they had created right when yeah. really like there's not really a division between um our communities and nature it was it's a human-made concept but that's a whole other story um so i work for yeah i work for um former governor schwarzenegger for his institute doing, are you allowed to say that i'm allowed to say that yeah. okay all right shout out to the gov <laughs> <laughs> but um, hold on before you say yeah. that your opinions your things don't reflect on they don't reflect on him yes i feel like i i know dude i just don't <laughs> yes. want you to get canceled no, or no, no. we're talking about wet ass pussy before this and like <laughs> no go ahead opinions are, are my own yes um so hold me accountable but uh but yeah so you know it's a the environmental field and i can say this because it's a fact you know i'm not making anything up the right. environmental field is still a white dominant field right so um it's hard when you're trying to protect a world, trying to protect all communities when the mo- the people that are most affected aren't represented at the table. Right. So when I first, you know, I was right out of undergrad when I, you know, when I fortunately found this job. Um, and I think I've mentioned it to you before where I would, you know, join these meetings or be in these, you know, in these scenarios where I'd be the only person of color, the youngest person. And a lot of times the only, the only female. And, yeah. um, in the beginning, especially because, you know, it was my first real full-time job, um, I felt like my opinions, my input weren't as valuable or weren't as valid as others because I was still probably a little bit insecure. I was still learning how to communicate with people, how to navigate, you know, the professional world. Yeah. Um, and you have all these experts and PhDs and lawyers and just people that have been around for decades or for years and are experts in in climate work and environmental policy and public health and i think in the beginning i really let that um that really let that paralyze me in some ways i wasn't you know speaking up 
Like what uh, if I what if what I say is stupid or, yeah, I, or I get looked at? And, yeah, or like what if it doesn't make sense? And then there'd be times where I would think something, and then somebody else would say the exact <laughs> same thing, and I'd be like, I should have said it, you know? Like in math like, class, yeah. yeah. You're like, it's twenty three. Like I knew 20. that, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so I think I really had to learn that. Um, number one, I'm representing a community that doesn't often have a voice at the table. So for me to, you know, be quiet is a little selfish, right? Like right. I, I have the, I have the privilege because in some ways that is you know, a privilege to be here and to be speaking with people that make choices. Um, I need to speak up. And two, the, the ideas, the perspective that I bring is unique. It, it's, it's, um. There's a lot of, you know, the people in the room don't come from the same background as me. They don't, they can just easily oversee things, not because they want to, but because they've never had to experience um, certain things, right? Discrimination. They've never had to experience living in the situations that um, a lot of people do. So yeah. I really had to learn that. And I think when I found that, um, when I found my value in the conversation was really when I just became fearless, right? I have something valuable to contribute and I'm going to say it every time that I think it's, it's needed. Um, so that really transformed the way that I, um, that I navigated through like the rest of my conversations. And, and I mean, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, I'm like a little bit, um, I'm a little bit under three years in the like young professional world or the, the professional world. Um, and it's, it's a learning process. You never stop. You always find new ways to be better and to, um, and to be a better advocate for what's right. But I think just really find uh, becoming fearless in that has really been the, the number one like motivator and, and getting stuff done, I guess. So I want to go back to college. Shout out to you for on your third year figuring out. Finally. Oh, this is what, yeah. <laughs> but dude, four and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then on my two, two, <laughs> two months before I was supposed to graduate, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. But then I was like, well, I'm about to graduate. So, uh, but anyway, that's, that's beside the fact, uh, beside the point. Yeah. Point. Um, you said you you got hit with that wave of depression why what was it like how did you cope with it uh you told me also you went to i think because i think i also you reached out to me or i reached out to you i don't remember but um about therapy when i first started going and i was that's when still i was kind of like scared and like mm -hmm. i felt not and I hate saying the whole like, oh, there's a stigma because it's so overused, yeah. but you just kind of feel like you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Like you're different, um, which is why I started this podcast. We're not all that different. <laughs> um, so kind of take me through how it started and, and when you actually found out that you needed help and how that whole process went. Yeah, I think there was just so many changes that um, I went through at the same time. Yes. And that's a trigger for sure. Yeah. And I mean we can touch on this a little bit later, but like 2020 has been a lot of that too. Yeah. But let's go back to the yeah. college time, right? So, so if, if a lot of you are feeling this way right now, yeah. don't worry about it because a bunch of other people, not me, but, uh, just <laughs> <laughs> so mean. No, a lot of people have been, have been feeling yeah, this, but, um, definitely. go ahead. Um, but yeah, going back to, to my undergrad years, I think there was just so many changes that happened at the same time, you know, new city, new school, new, just new period in life, right? Starting, starting college is a big deal. Um, being away from my family for the first time. So being completely on my own, learning what philosophy of life I wanted for my own, not my family's, not my parents, but what I, what did I actually believe and why I believed it? Um, and then of course, you know, having that injury and just 
not being able to play sports or, you know, perform well. Basically, my whole identity was just uh, shaken, right? Because I always considered myself a pretty um, active, athletic. But you were an athlete throughout. Throughout my my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. As a kid, you know, in high school. um, So I I felt like all areas of my life were, were shaken spiritually, you know, physically, academically. Um, I just, I think for some time, I didn't really know who I was or who I, I was supposed to be. And um, that really led to, I guess, some form of, of identity crisis of like, you know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Um, and it took me a while to realize that it was that. Um, at first, it manifested as like just feeling really low, you know, just not feeling motivated to go to class, you know. Yeah. Um, other times, it was more extreme. Like I would just cry. and yeah, just for no reason. Just for no reason, right? Well, we think it's for no reason, but there's yeah. a bunch of reasons. Yeah, yeah but for no reason. Uh, I just felt like I, you know, I couldn't do or I didn't want to do the things that I thought used to make me happy. And just sort of going through the motions, feeling like it really wasn't my life, Um and, and I think after a certain period of time where I just kept feeling that, I knew that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never done therapy before. I had never, um, thought, about never thought about that. I had never experienced anything like I did during undergrad, right? And I mean, I was 18. I, but I was still pretty much a kid. Um, and not again, not having like my family parents there just made it a lot harder. Um, but in some ways, I also felt like that enabled me to reflect and really think like what is it that i'm actually feeling and why do i feel this so um you know we always hear about like all the resources that we have on campus you know there's counseling there's this there's that blah 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 um and i think after some time i kind of thought okay well i'm obviously feeling really depressed all the time i'm not performing well in school i'm just feeling sad um I don't really find joy in the things that I used to find joy. Some things are better than others. You know, sometimes are better than others. There's days where I feel okay and I can still be with my friends. But at the end of the day, there's this just feeling of um, of discontent, right? I don't feel complete. Like emptiness. Emptiness, almost. right? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I feel this way? I had a great day, but yeah. I but still I feel, feel like this. shit. Yeah, I feel... So there's this term that I, like, I my cousin and I created. <laughs> we call it, like, I feel fishy, uh, fishish. Like a fish out of water because you don't really feel like you belong anywhere. Right. And then you're so, just like. Yeah, you're just like. Oh, what's everything? <laughs> so I would always feel that. And so I think finally one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make an appointment at CAPS, the Counseling and Psychological Services. Um, and even when I went and I was filling out the screening, I was like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah, I like, did the same I thing. I hate this. This is so stupid. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Let me try it. Um, and so I had the the option of choosing like a spiritual counselor just because I had grown up with like a spiritual background. My parents, you know, went to church all the time and I felt like that was shaken too because I felt like a lot Your of those. Faith. Yeah, my faith was. I felt like a lot of it was based on what my parents and my family thought. And so that was another area where I was like, I don't really know if I want to believe this or like right. want to live this life. Um, and so I chose a spiritual counselor just to ha- so she could understand that aspect of, of my life. Um, and so, you know, I think I did this for about eight months where I'd go in and talk and, you know, I, we, we got really deep into some areas of my life that are still pretty hard to talk about that I, you know, I can't fully, um, disclose, but, yeah. but, um, some really dark moments that I went through and, 
Um, it was about like eight months of just, you know, once a week, just going in and sharing what, you know, my progress, what I was feeling. And she really tapped into those, um, into those conversations that I didn't know I needed to have. Um, it brought a lot of feelings and thoughts to the surface that I think my self-defense was just, you know, pushing down. And, and I think, um, after some time, I found a lot of the the reasons or a lot of the the roots for those feelings. And then just one day, I think after like eight months, I just kind of looked at her and I was like, I think I feel good. Like it was just such a simple thing, but I was like, I think I'm good. Like, I don't, I think I made up my mind. Um, I don't think I need to come anymore. And she was just like, okay. And and I, after that, it just kind of like, I felt more, um, I felt better equipped to like, deal with certain emotions and feelings that were the reason that were the cause of why I had been feeling so so depressed for such a long time so I think you bring up a bunch of good points but um for those of you that have never been to therapy or counseling or haven't even thought about it you have the human brain is a is a motherfucker like it it how do I put this there are little moments in your life that are trauma and you don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. Like for example, I read this book um, called how to unfuck your brain. I don't know if you've read it. And she talks about how you might walk by a, a flower shop and smell the flowers and be like, Oh my God, I remember when my boyfriend gave me flowers and it was amazing. Or those flowers could remind you of, um, when your grandma died and you're just like, Oh my God, flowers. And then you get all depressed and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the same thing. Like you don't really think about it because it's not on your mind at the moment. But then when you start going to therapy, it's kind of like you're like an onion and then you start peeling the Mm -hmm. things back and you're like, well, you know, when I go to this class, I feel really sad. And it's like, well, why? And then you, you start really getting to the root of everything because we're, I mean, humans are complicated. Mm -hmm. We've, we all go through many different things. Um, but the what you were describing was the same thing as what happened to me. I went to therapy at school and the little the little thing that they like give you is so it's so severe that you're just like, this is I don't need this. Mm-hmm. And it almost even makes you want to like give them the paper and be like, I don't need therapy. Bye. Yeah. Um, like it asks you, like, have you ever I mean, did you feel like killing yourself this morning? Yeah, exactly. And it was like this, not this morning, two years ago maybe, yeah. but I, I, that that doesn't apply to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of, like, kind of keep going. Um, but that's the stuff you uncover in, in therapy where, um, where it's just like random things. Mm-hmm. And then you think, oh my God, maybe I'm not getting along with this person because they're like my dad and my dad... I never got along with him. And then you just keep peeling and peeling and peeling and peeling. Um, Did you kind of find that correlation with maybe something in your childhood at UCLA or did it start with the changes? Because it seems like your whole childhood, and this happens to Mm -hmm. a lot of us, you were molded a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then you were like, this is the way because it's the way. You don't know why, but it is. And then once you start kind of cracking that mold you're like this is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and then the mold keeps cracking and then it breaks and you're like what the fuck am i doing like i mean how did that go for you yeah i think that's exactly what happened um i was a really good kid you know all throughout from yeah good pretty much right except for being a little brat sometimes but like you know in general (laughs) 
being, I was a brat once. <laughs> in general, I was a really good kid, you know, had perfect grades, um, never did really anything rebellious. You drink in high school? No, I don't even think I did that. Like, it just was a good kid and not even because I was afraid, but that's just who I was. Like, I felt like, like, to me, high sc- I knew high school was temporary. Like, my vision was always in, what am I going to do after this? And I think right. in many ways that was very helpful. You know, was super busy um, um, just in sports, doing well academically. But I think because I had created this just mold of, or idea of how things were supposed to be, when I got to college and all of that was shattered, like I was making decisions and I made many decisions that were so harmful to me. Right. Um, that were just bad that made myself ashamed i didn't even know who i was like i just made myself so ashamed of 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 who i was and then like i said all the other challenges that were happening at the same time completely felt like my my world was shattered like i didn't shitstorm yeah like it's just it was horrible and so um super uncomfortable there were things that to this day i can't even open up to my to my family about which is which was hard because they were you know Always like my first resource. Dealing drugs and killing Just people and stuff. Horrible stuff, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a joke. Um, so, but it, it was just really, really dark moment. Just moves on. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, let's move on. I'm just um, kidding. It is, yeah. Anyway. But just, okay. Like I said, all opinions are my own. Hold me accountable. <laughs> this um, is an Arnold. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so definitely felt like all of that was. Um, was shattered um so it it took a while to redefine who i was and you know it wasn't perfect but um it's important to like get in touch with your challenges to know how to somewhat address them and like move on to the next the next phase of healing what was at that time what was your your mindset like because i had a podcast the one that you haven't listened to yet Mm -hmm. um (laughs) thanks for the support uh also subscribe and rate um what was your mindset like then? Was it kind of like a, I'm depressed and this is mm-hmm. kind of the way it is? Or was it a, I can get out of this? Mm-hmm. Or was it just like a, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. I think I've always been a really high performing, uh, depressed, I don't know exactly how what the right term is, but you know how there's high performing depression, high performing anxiety? Yeah, that so was me. That was me. So that's why, like you said, you you know, you would never expect that I went through the things that I did because yep. I finished UCLA in four years. I yep. have... I had amazing opportunities, you know, like so many awesome things that I did, but nobody would have even ever guessed that I had one of the hardest and darkest moments of my life till this day um, in undergrad. And I think it was that mentality of like, it's horrible. It's, you know, you're depressed, you're feeling this, but you can't stop and you have to keep going and you have to just try. And I know that it's not that way for many people. Um, I know that, you know, there's, there's just, there's just moments where you just can't move on. Like you're just stuck in this feeling of sadness. You feel stuck. Um, and not to say that I didn't feel that m- during many moments, but I think taking a step back and looking at the larger picture of like, you can't, you can't stop here. Like there's a purpose for you. There's, um, there's something greater. You may not understand it now. You may not understand what it is that you have to be or who you have to be, but, um, you have to keep, you have to keep going. And, um, that's why, you know, that's why it's, there's the high, that's, I think that's why I, I think of myself as the high performing, um, depressed person, depressed person I guess, because yeah. I went through, you know, I finished everything as best as I could and it probably wasn't, I know that it wasn't as, as, um, as great as I could have done it 
given different circumstances but i think just there was just something in me that told me i had to keep going yeah that i mean you're kind of describing me is that when i i posted some stuff on instagram about going through just depression and all that and people were like whoa i had no idea mm-hmm. and it's like you don't always you don't want to show it because you almost feel like a burden if you tell people not only that it's i think college also is is very it's such a different time in your life like you have so many other different influences like mm-hmm. you said you have you know, people who are like you you have people who are, com- are completely mm-hmm. different you are trying to kind of figure yourself out you're you're succumbing to peer pressure you're doing a bunch of different stuff that maybe you wouldn't have done in high school um and you can also beat yourself up about that i remember the first time i got like drunk drunk and i was just like oh my I, like i felt ashamed like it was i was like 21 but i felt so ashamed and just kind of like and the next day i was like the next week i was just like oh, i'm a failure and i'm this and i'm that um i think it's important to kind of have a support system like friends like mm-hmm. good friends especially in college and it's so hard in college because everyone is i wouldn't say it's an extension of of high school but everyone's going through the same thing like everyone's kind of trying to find their mm-hmm. own way and drinking a ton or not drinking a ton mm-hmm. and feeling like left out um what was your circle kind of like was it super toxic was it um supportive mm-hmm. um i think I mean, there, there's, you know, acquaintances, there's classmates. But I think when it came down to, like, my core friends, um, they were all very, very supportive and very understanding. And I think they they sort of shared some of those sentiments, some of those challenges, right? Because right. we were all students. We are all facing, in, the, in that sense, we were all facing some of the same challenges. And I think, I mean, there was a moment where we just, like, two of my closest friends who are you know shout out to miriam and jocelyn you actually met them i met yeah. them yeah shout yeah, out shout miriam out jocelyn them. love them um i remember being in my room and this was right before i decided like i wanted to do environmental science and i was like girls like i can't do this i just i'm not gonna finish in four years i can't do this i was in tears and they sat down with me and they're like pull up your pull up the classes you've taken let's pull up the the course book the major list and we'll see what we're, we're gonna figure this out and they just sat down with me help me you know talk and think through some things and um by the end of that night i that think that they helped me they helped lead me to the answers that i was looking for and so definitely just having a strong support system um it doesn't have to be a lot of friends and actually i find that oftentimes it's just one or two friends that are there yeah. in those critical moments that yep. are going to help you um, get through it and it does take vulnerability right i could have been prideful and said you know what I'm just gonna keep this to myself. I don't need help, um, especially coming from someone that's been, you know, a high performer. It's easy to feel that way, but you need to be vulnerable. You need to be open with people that care about you um, and share those there's those thoughts with you. Um, but yeah. Did, did you ever have an anxiety attack? Totally. I didn't even know they were anxiety attacks. Yeah. You know? yep. I probably had. A, I probably had a couple before I realized. Oh yeah, this is definitely an anxiety attack. What were yours and like? I still do sometimes, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah. I just felt really. I couldn't focus on anything else. Um, I couldn't think. I couldn't. I couldn't. I felt this like. I think it was a mix of like depression, and anxiety, just 
deep sadness, but didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't know where I needed to be, but I felt like where I currently was was not the place. So I, right. um, you know, walks are helpful, but I just felt like I I didn't know I didn't know anything about myself. I didn't know what I needed at the moment. Um, and there were certain people, certain things that I would reach out to, hoping to fill that sort of void or that angst. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it it is within yourself. Um, to, to try to figure that out. So I don't know if, you know, we want to tap into this, but I was going to say, I don't want it to seem like it was just that period during undergrad when you're young, you're trying to figure out. I mean, it's a recurring thing. And um, I mean, I definitely tap into like just recently, right? It's a very different environment and di- very different situation to what it was seven years ago. Yeah. But it's a lot of the similar concepts um, right. and the similar reasons why I feel like I have felt certain things the last couple of months. So like I was saying with, like what your brain um, goes through. I mean, your brain is pretty much a storyteller. And when it tells the same story that freaks you out before, same with the, like with mm-hmm. the whole flower thing, um, you're having that whole imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and kind of like, am I doing the right thing? And now that you've kind of honed in on your, not your craft, but I guess your career, mm-hmm. you're kind of feeling more of that, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. So, and I think the the number one thing that I found similar between seven years ago and today was having a firm uh, knowledge of who you are, of your identity, right? So let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, December 2019, we all thought 2020 was going to be the year, right? Like (laughs) 2020 is my year. Um, My roommates and I created this vision board. And I remember in mine, I wrote certain, you know, some of my goals. I wanted to, in 2020, I wanted to become a homeowner. I wanted to take the LSAT so I can apply to law school. I wanted to grow in my rela- in my relations, you know, spiritually with God. I wanted to um, have a clear, grow in my career, right? So in whatever it is that I wanted to do and possibly um, do some travel. So come, you know, the the first two months of 2020 were great. Come like April, I had I had bought a home. Come June, I had bought a home, taken the LSAT, gotten a promotion at work, felt like I was growing. I felt like I was checking off every single goal that I outlined for myself in 2019. But for some reason, I felt so, like I went through the darkest moment probably since my undergrad um, career. I was so sad and I felt anxious all the time. And I was like, okay, you know, people think that reaching certain goals or reaching a certain level of success brings you happiness. And I had checked off every single thing that I wanted for myself this year. And I felt so empty. And and um, it took me weeks to figure out, you know, why it was that I felt the same way. But again, I think it was many changes. You know, I wasn't used to living in Escondido anymore um, because, you know, the state home orders. I wasn't used to being on my own. I wasn't used to working at home. So, it came back to like my identity. Who is it? Who, who am I? Right? Like not what am I, what career, right? right? It's not what promotion I got or like, um, what assets I have. It's not if I'm a homeowner, it's not if I'm going to become a lawyer, it's not that it's who am I right now? And what are the core qualities that make me happy? And I really had to revisit that. And I mean, I'm thankful that I've, I've had the, that I feel like I've grown enough to be able to address those things and bring those feelings to the surface. Um, but it's just to say that like, you know, we really have to be conscious of the feelings we're having and of who we want ourselves to be. Um, because it never, you know, these 
feelings never fully go away you just have you just learn to better address them i think yeah or hopefully learn to better address them <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's crazy i my ex-girlfriend shout I was, out to his ex-girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> shout out to her man she was i mean she's very one i was just gonna know <laughs> I don't know. No, she was she was very supportive. Yeah. She was very awesome. But I remember having the <laughs> shout out to my ex. <laughs> God damn it. Um, I remember having this conversation with her where I was like, I'm not making enough money. Mm-hmm. Like I need to. And this was during like my really dark times when I had just quit my job and decided to be a, a photographer full time. And I wasn't making the money that I wanted to make. And I didn't have the clients that I wanted to have. And I was working for money. I was working for that paycheck. And it was like boring ass jobs that I just, I wasn't, I mean, I, I love all my clients. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I just canceled myself. <laughs> but I was so worried about the money mm-hmm. that I was just, I wasn't worried about the craft anymore. I wasn't yeah. worried about making a good commercial. I wasn't worried about, I was worried about everything else. Like the money, what people would think. Uh, she had a full-time job. She had a, mm-hmm. you know, she was a big girl. I was still a little boy doing running around with a little camera and (laughs) and and i was so worried about you know just being on top Mm -hmm. that i forgot about the process i forgot about about i mean what i what why i loved what i did Mm -hmm. so same thing come 2020 i was like this is the year baby um just like the chargers you know this is the year every year is the year (laughs) every year every year is the year um and i was like this is the year and then slowly my kind of my companies are dipping and I mean, January, February, I was already kind of struggling. And then March came and I was like, it's all right. During summer, I'm going to get all these, Mm -hmm. you know, I have all these events lined up and all these weddings. Like March 26th or something was when they were like, everything's closing. And I was just like, oh my God, my life's over. Like, I have no money. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I went haywire. Uh, And I think during COVID and if you haven't learned anything from COVID, then I think you're doing it wrong. Like if you haven't learned something about yourself, if you haven't learned about anything like who your friends are, who like sometimes you have to stop, take a step back, say, hey, we're all in this shitty situation together. And that's what I told myself. I was like, okay, we're all in this shitty situation together. What do I need to do? Mm -hmm. When I told myself I need to market myself better, I need to, I set all these kind of little goals. Yeah. And now I'm, I mean, I'm happy enough to say that I'm successful and I'm, I, I stopped worrying about the money. I started worrying about like my actual brand and putting my face in front of mm-hmm. everything that I did and not just posting to post, but like posting for a reason. Uh, Being work- intentional. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Having intentions behind my, my, um, my actions. And I mean, the people that I've worked with now are incredible and I enjoy my job so much more. And it was all because of just my mindset of mm-hmm. I'm doing this. I love my job. I told you earlier, I was like, I mean, I love what I do mm-hmm. and obviously I love all my clients and I, I, back then I loved all my clients too. They're everyone I've worked with is amazing, but I just didn't have that mindset of, uh, I had like the goal setting mm-hmm. and with me it was numbers. It wasn't just like get a promotion and all that stuff. It was like, by this time I have to make this much money. Mm-hmm. I have to make this much money. I have to make, and that wasn't getting me anywhere because I was just thinking small. Like now I'm thinking like bigger and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. um, I just, I want to help as many people as I can and, and I'm putting it more in the person aspect and I've noticed that that's how I've gotten more clients mm-hmm. is by putting it in that in that human aspect of, okay, like I, I just signed something with a realtor 
I'm really excited to work with him. And this guy talked to me and was just like so energetic. And I was like, dude, like I love, I love your ideas. I mm -hmm. love your vibe and I love all of this. This is what we can do. And he was stoked again. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really worried about the paycheck. I was like, me and this guy are going to work together and it's going to be so dope. Cause mm -hmm. we both had similar ideas. Shout out to Danny <laughs> and um, most shout outs ever. Um, <laughs> and that's, I think that's more rewarding. And then the money comes second. Obviously money's important to live and stuff, but if you just have that one mindset where I need a promotion, I need this much money, like you're not going to get the most out of life. And mm -hmm. I think that's what, I mean, that's what COVID has taught me. Yeah. What, like, what has it taught you? Yeah. I think you touched on a great point is creating a life that you want to live, right? Like yeah. not making a living, right. which is important. Obviously we need the roof. We need food. Wait, repeat that. Creating a life, not nah. making a living. Oh, I love that. Yes. That's good. Um, because you know, and it's it's part of the, like this um, social norm or social creation, right? Where we have to meet a certain amount of money to get to a certain amount, you know, to yep. get to a certain place. But uh, it seems so obvious. But like, if at the end of the day you're hating your life, maybe it's you're not. It. It's not worth it, right? It's not worth it. Yep. Um, and again, if and if this pandemic has taught us anything, um, it's that life is just. It's always been volatile, but. We never know what's going to be thrown at us, right? We have all these plans. Um, we have all these plans that we create, but we never really know what our course is going to be. Right. You don't have to, you know, believe in God or be religious, but there's this really cool scripture that says, a man plans his course, but God determines his steps, right? We had these ideas for what 2020 was going to be about. Yep. All these plans, all these goals, but we didn't know that we'd have to face all these, you know, uh, we didn't know we had to face a global pandemic. We didn't know that we were going to have a social um, a social awakening, which I think is very much needed. Um, you know, all these other things that we're going through um, that we didn't expect to have in 2020. We thought it was going to be a year of maybe just success, of vacations, of whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it is. But um, Selfishness. You know, so it really, I think moments like these really help us to pause and reflect on the life that we've living so far, on the beliefs that we have. And it's a moment of redefining if you need to or reflecting on what you want the rest of your four months to be, right? I'm a huge believer in mid-year resolutions and even like last trimester resolutions if you need it, right? But like in June, I always like to reassess the last six months, think of like how I've lived them, what goals I've met and how I want to finish the rest of the year. And you don't even have to, cool. you know, wait till June or wait, wait till the next month but yeah. every day you can sort of wake up and say how do i want the rest of my life to be different you know and you can always do that you can be 80 years old and dying and you have one two more days to live and still have that chance to like redefine your philosophy how you want your out outlook on life to be and for me um 2020 has really been that like the 2020 vision really became about <laughs> the vision part like yeah what vision do I have for my life? Um, and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to really have clarity. Um, but I think being aware and conscious and not just kind of like going with the flow and not trying to face those things. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. Like stop. If you have to go against the, the, you know, the, the Green. wave, if you have yeah. to, or whatever you call it, but, um, take the time to reflect and really think about how you want to, to go moving forward. So where do you find yourself now mentally? Like what, I guess, kind of mental space? How do you cope? How do you, 
do you still go to therapy? Yeah. What are you doing kind of for yourself for your, and I think we'll, we'll wrap it mm -hmm. up here, but, um, what are you doing for yourself to be the best Francisca mm -hmm. you yeah. can be? I think it's really important to know what your needs are, right? Because we've, we've shared about our own experiences and what has helped us. Um, and hopefully that helps a lot of people, but you know, there's going to be people that have very different needs, um, yeah. that maybe therapy may or may not work for them. And I think number one is knowing what those needs are, like not being afraid to feel certain things or let certain emotions or repressed feelings come to the surface because you need to allow this to come to really help you move forward. That's number one. Number two is how do you want to be known? You know, like I had this um, little talk with or like Devo talk with my friend and it was what do you want your identity to be? Um, and that's different for everyone. And I had to think about it because I just kind of go, you know, through busy life work and all these other responsibilities. And I had to think, and for me, I want to be known as a person that loves others, um, equally and that, um, works or tries at least in some way to make everybody have equal access, right? So human rights. So loving others right. and set, standing up for human rights. So that's how I want to be perceived. Um, that's how I want to create or define my life. And so I need to base my, my actions, my everyday life around that one thing. I want to love others. Um, and you know, regardless of any label that you have, just being a person of love. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think therapy is very different or it looks very different than when it looked seven years ago. Therapy for me now is connecting with the people that I love. Um, I love talking about, goals and ideas and i love finding people that share or have some sort of vision for their life so again this is probably why i enjoyed coming to your podcast so much um and it's just really encouraging and uplifting to be able to share those ideas and those feelings with people that that um are in very different fields but have that same vision for their own lives or of doing better of growing of doing more um, so yeah, therapy now is like going on walks, connecting with people that I love, um, and finding true relationships. And they they may not be a lot, but I think really meaningful ones that um, really move you and encourage you forward. <sighs> Dude, that's heavy. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I get a little emotional, like just thinking about mm -hmm. like where we were as like little seventh graders. I remember writing this. Uh, Mrs. Greenlee, which is now Mrs. Gilliand, I think, or Gilliand. Oh, okay. Um, oh, uh, she made us write this this uh, letter to ourselves from our seventh grade selves to our eighth grade selves. And it was three things that you wanted to, um, like three, kind of three goals of, mm -hmm. of like 2009 or what, yeah. whatever that year was, 2007. Um, and then read it when you're an eighth grader. And I actually just stumbled upon those. I actually messaged her and I showed her. I was like, hey, check this out. But I I read those and, I mean, one of them was to lift more weights and get buff, which <laughs> I've already done. Um, I'm just kidding. And the other, the last one was, and this was both years, was just being, making an, an impact, like a positive mm -hmm. impact, being nice to anyone that I've, I've uh, come in contact with. Yeah. So, I mean, watching us just like grow up mm -hmm. and by no means have we like grown up together, but like kind of seeing each other, we, I feel like in we parallel. always, yeah. we, we always see each other in different, um, periods in, all, mm -hmm. in our lives. I think you saw me as a freshman when I was super depressed and then you had a graduation party. I went to that, yeah. the senior from, uh, 
from high school. Mm-hmm. And then I went to your UCLA yeah, one. And then 4th of July. 4th of July. A couple, last month actually. Yeah, last month, 4th of July. And we met up uh, like last year. That's or right. In, early January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or December, was it? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I personally want to thank you for being here and I want to thank you for just being in my life. And mm-hmm. I think this is, these are the kinds of friends you need. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do a podcast on, on friends because I've had terrible friends. I've had amazing friends. I've had friends that are just okay. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends that I need to check up on all the time. And I have friends that always check up on me. And like, I have friends like you that we just, whenever we see each other, it's like, what are you up to? This amazing. Yeah. What's for, what's next for the future? And what's this? What's that? Um, so, I mean, thank you for being here. And uh, I hope everyone learned something from from this. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me again. And I'd love to see, you know, like you said, it that doesn't necessarily mean that we were, you know, BFFs and like in contact 24 yeah. seven throughout. But I just love to see people growing. Right. People fr- that we grew up with, people from our high school or hometown. Um, I love to see them being successful and and just working hard toward their goals and i think um we need a lot more of that right we need that we need to build that community um you know get it rid of all the if any jealousy or competition bad competition that yeah. can, that can Famine be around thinking. you know like just no you know we're in this together right we're we've experienced very similar challenges um and like you said you never really know what people are going through so i hope this opens up a line of conversation of just being more open um and just being able to share with others what you've gone through but i do love to see you know people from my home um from my hometown doing great things and it's always encouraging it's a motivator and so i hope you know we can have a lot more of these stories so thanks for having me um do you want to like plug your instagram or something or where can people find you or what are you doing sure or? you can find me on linkedin oh grow that network <laughs> you girl can find, you can find me on linkedin uh francisca martinez you can find me on instagram at chesca.m you know i actually changed my instagram name because i think you told me it sounded like cheese cam or something like that i don't know if i remember this really was that i don't, I don't know if it that was sounds me. like some dumb shit i'd say maybe i think it was you um because it was like chesca m so i had to put the period cheese in between cam. <laughs> <laughs> so it's at chesca I'm, such a hater, dude. I'm sorry um but yeah um you know or just yeah linkedin instagram whatever it is um if you know there's anyone out there that you know, would like to further connect, I'm happy to always share some of my experiences and be an, you know, a, a connector in any way. Hell yeah. As always, follow me at Mallorca Media if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. I don't know why you would have concerns. I hope you don't. But uh, follow me at Mallorca Media on Instagram. I'm trying to build my Twitter, uh, MallorcaMedia.com. Please make sure you subscribe. Is that what you call it on Apple Podcasts? Yes. Subscribe. Uh, leave a review. Five stars only. Um, if you leave a cool review, I might even read it on here. And um, you'll get some some clout Definitely. or something. So thank you for joining us. Uh, be safe. And I will see you on the next one. Woo. Bye. Do you have like music that um, follows? Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. The music's always cool. <laughs> yeah. Dude. We have a podcast.